This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Everybody to the politics, politics, politics program for October seventh, twenty twenty-two. Your old pal Justin Robert Young joining you here in Austin, Texas. We're going to talk about the politics of Hurricane Ian. I've got some some personal thoughts about what it's like to kind of be in the middle of a hurricane from the Floridian perspective. I think it's fairly unique. Some of you guys might enjoy it, but. Uh, We also have a news peg there, and that is the insurance market of Florida. It is a ticking time bomb, and we have hit triple zeros on the clock. A gigantic explosion of Floridians that are going to be calling in insurance claims is here. And yet, what happens when the largest insurer in the state is the state? And the state might not have the money to cover it. And also there's a governor's race. So it has become a political issue. We also have some snap polls in Georgia. Will there be a massive reckoning for Herschel Walker after the bombshell announcements from the Daily Beast that he paid a woman in the 2000s to have an abortion and sent her a get well card for it as well. And I would say even more so that his son torched him on Twitter. Also, we have a change in one of the key battleground states going from lean Democrat to toss up. Before we get to any of that, though, uh, something that I think could actually affect the midterms more than really any scandal. Uh, uh, And it's happening now. OPEC plus has agreed to deep oil production cuts uh, by 2 million barrels per day. This according, according to Reuters, OPEC plus agreed to steep oil production cuts on Wednesday, curbing supply in an already tight market, causing one of its biggest clashes with the West and the in the U.S. administration, which called the surprise decision short sighted. Well, maybe it's people having long memories, a reminder that even from the Democratic primary, Joe Biden is the one who said that he would seek to relegate Saudi Arabia to the label of pariah for which they belonged. There was a will they won't they of Joe Biden getting a fist bump from Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Is this a big middle finger from the kingdom? I think you could probably say yes. In lighter news, the Republican running for governor in the state of Michigan, Tudor Dixon, has not really been running a particularly well-funded campaign. Nobody thinks that they can win, so they're not really spending a whole lot of money on her. And so, with that being the case, and Tudor Dixon having no commercials on television, the Gracious County Republican Party decided to come up with their own. 
When I describe this to you, understand that there are seven bikers over the age of 50. Old bikers. And they are all talking in a very carefully staged semicircle here. So keep that in mind while we play you this clip. Hey, have you seen the TV ads with the governor talking about the great things she's done for Michigan? She's a liar. Whitmer can say what she wants, but we live here. Just look around, man. During COVID, Whitmer locked down businesses like the Owasso Barber and put one woman from Holland in jail. Oh, yeah. 3,000 restaurants closed. And she's pro-business? Yeah, right. And what about those higher gas and food prices? Our schools were closed for almost two years. Poor kids. Speaking of kids, Whitmer says she's going to work like hell to keep killing babies. And she put COVID patients in Graham's nursing home. Graham died alone. <sighs> okay, okay, I'm voting for the other chick. What's her name? Tudor Dixon. Okay, let's roll. Watch out for potholes. Whitmer never kept her promise to fix the damn roads. The more of these videos that we can find, the better our lives will be. But I cannot remember the first time that the word hurricane was mentioned to me. It's not a remarkable thing that happens in Florida. It is a part of life. It is something that becomes part of your yearly existence, specifically in the late summer and into the early fall. I used to love when tropical storms would come by our area, largely because the Broward County School District had an agreement, I think for their insurance, that if there was a tropical storm watch, all right, this is how it works. When you have a tropical storm or a hurricane, you have a watch and a warning. A watch is be on alert for a warning. A warning is that by whatever metric that they have, it looks like this storm is going to hit. If I am correct in my memory, it was even as low as a tropical depression. So the way that storms go is tropical depression, tropical storm, hurricane. Even as low as a tropical depression. If there was a tropical depression watch anywhere in Broward County, you got the day off from school. This is the closest thing that Floridian kids get to snow days. Because it was awesome. It usually happened in the late summer when it's hot as hell. And when a hurricane's around or a tropical storm and it's not hitting you, the weather's actually really pleasant. As long as it's not raining, you get a pretty stiff breeze. This is pretty much the only time that you have any kind of surfable waves. South Florida, not exactly a surf destination. In fact, there used to be one of my first job that I ever worked, Tower Pizza out there on University in uh, Davie. I, I forget. I think it's called Del Vecchio's now. Shout out to Del Vecchio's. But when I was working there, it was me and my buddy Anthony and... There was a dude whose name escapes me, but he would constantly check the surf report on his alphanumeric pager. I'm very much dating myself, but but me and my buddy Anthony would always be 
gobsmacked that he could not get his work done because he was doing something as fruitless as checking the surf report in Fort Lauderdale. Guess what? Unless there's a hurricane swirling off the coast, you're not going to really catch any waves, bud. Hurricane Andrew hit South Florida as a Category 5 storm in 1992 when your humble host was only nine years old. Hurricane Andrew is something that will live in my mind forever. Because hurricanes in their preparation are all the same. But you kind of think of it as like a game of Plinko. You know, like the price is right. So you put in the chip and then sometimes it just kind of goes away from where you want it to go from the very beginning and it never turns back. Whatever. That's not that big of a deal. And then every once in a while, it goes kind of closer to that high dollar value. And you're very excited, and then it skirts off at the last second. That's what being in Florida for a hurricane is like. You have seen a lot of Plinko chips drop. And you understand that by probability, the vast majority of them are not going to hit you. So you go through the motions. You don't want to be caught unawares when the, the, the hurricane is strengthening from a tropical storm for, to a hurricane somewhere in the Caribbean. That's when you go get your supplies. You probably already have a lot of the plywood that you're going to hammer on your windows anyway. You make a lot of jokes with your neighbors about how one flimsy piece of plywood isn't going to do anything if the hurricane force winds are actually hitting. The real reason why you put those boards up or you have hurricane shutters on your windows is not for the big ones. It's for the smaller ones that are just going to send some tree uprooted and possibly have a branch go through what would otherwise be your glass. But Andrew was different. That Plinko chip was heading right toward us. And up until the very last minute, it was my neighborhood of Fort Lauderdale, Western Broward County. I was in Hollywood at the time. For those of you who are <laughs> familiar with the geography, that was going to get destroyed. And I remember the tone shifting with the adults around me. All of the gallows humor joking was slowly going away. This was a beast of a storm, and we were going to have to ride it out. It's usually at that moment, I would say about 72 hours before things are going to make landfall, that you have to have a conversation. Are we going to leave? And this is something else you need to know about Floridians and hurricanes. They don't leave. <laughs> I mean, at least the ones that have lived there for a long time, largely because you are holding out hope that that Plinko chip is going to turn at the last minute. And you're also afraid that if you go somewhere else, specifically somewhere else in Florida. So let's say you're in Fort Lauderdale, you go to Tampa. Let's say you're in Orlando, you go to the West Coast of Florida. You're always afraid that the hurricane might take that last Plinko chip ding, and hit where you went and miss where you should have been. 
But we, and the we we're talking about is me, my mother, who's been on this show a bunch, my stepfather, Ron, and my little brother. We decide that we're going to ride it out in our little condo in Hollywood, right across from T.Y. Park. Dropping a lot of South Florida references here. Right next to the Shenanigans Pub, which is still there. I remember what was on when the power went out. It was the episode of Married with Children when the Bundys go to London. And then, click. All we had was the radio. In that time, if you lived in South Florida, you understood a few things. Brian Norcross became a god. He was the weatherman on the NBC affiliate, and he remains to this day an icon in South Florida because of how level-headed he gave the news during a horrifying time. My family and I, we all went underneath the stairwell knowing that it would be the safest place to be. It was loud. I remember our screened-in porch rattling, the malleable metal bending, the banging, the noise, the slamming. It's very War of the Worlds. You're listening to a radio that is broadcasting usually the, the television station and they're doing their best to make something of the chaos. Reports of tornadoes five miles from your house. The first moment that you get a chance to go and survey the damage is when the eye passes overhead. And Andrew was a really, really, really big storm. So we got about 20 minutes where we were able to walk out into our streets, blown, battered, and in an eerie calm. I'll never forget, never forget the absence of sound. Our neighbors slowly peeking their heads just to see whether or not there were downed power lines. Then you go back. I don't remember the second half of the storm because I fell asleep. It's something that my mom has made fun of me for for the rest of my life because I'm a sleepy boy. And sometimes even during a hurricane, I can get a few Z's. I say all that to say this. That Plinko chip did move south. Instead of Fort Lauderdale getting the brunt of Hurricane Andrew, it was Homestead. And Homestead was devastated. Hurricanes are a way of life in Florida. They're a way of life in the Caribbean islands. They're a way of life that by and large locals have made peace with in the way that all of nature's inclement weather, if it arrives on a regular schedule, eventually you make peace with. Sometimes you find the virtues in, like people do with the snow. Or the heat. In this case, it is a yearly test of will. Wonder, 
worry, and above anything else, the resolve that if all this goes away, we can build it again. Politics of hurricanes is not a straight line. It's not a building randomly exploding. It's not a scandal about the treasury. It is something that goes to the very core of the identity of many, if not most, Floridians. That being said, there are elements of this that do have political ramifications, one of which is in play right now in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. We read now from Politico. The cost of property coverage in Florida was nearly three times more than the national average before Hurricane Ian made landfall. Huge losses exacerbated by natural disasters requiring tremendous payouts sent six of the state's smaller insurance carriers into insolvency this year. The destruction caused by the latest storm will only send the rates offered by private carriers even higher which will likely push more homeowners into coverage offered by Citizens Property Insurance Corporation, Florida's state-backed insurer of last resort. So let me unpack that for you. Obviously, you are going to pay more to insure a house in a place where regularly there might be an act of God that wipes it off the map. Floridians understand that. They're going to trade it for the fact that there's no snow. However. Not only is it more expensive to insure there, but, and this is from what I have heard word whispered around this issue, there is also a problem with tort reform when it comes to insurance claims. Because if, if there's another way of life in South Florida or Florida in general, but largely South Florida, boy, do you have some Saul Goodmans running around. I don't mean, I'm sure there's plenty of actual Saul Goodmans, but uh, Saul Goodmans like Bob Odenkirk. You got a lot of slipping jimmies. You got a lot of people that are going to call in overhyped or trumped up insurance claims to try to get money out of these companies. Florida could and should, and at some point hopefully will, do something about this. But in an already stressed market, you are putting more undue financial burden on the insurance companies that are when they are needed. And boy, howdy, when they are needed, they are really needed. You're putting so much pressure on them that they're leaving. Okay, so that means that you have citizens. What is citizens? Citizens insures. That if nobody else will insure your house, the state-backed company will. What's the problem with that? Well, number one, because it is state-backed and therefore controlled, nobody wants it to be the most expensive. You don't want it to look like an extra tax. And so... Legislators in Florida have been very hesitant. One might say too hesitant to raise the rates of people who have citizens insurance, creating yet another problem for that insurance market that now the insurer of last resort is also 
competitive, if not sometimes cheaper than private insurers. And then, of course, there's the fact that the state still needs the money if a bunch of insurance carriers from citizens all call in their policies at once, which is something that happens when hurricanes run through your state. Just like the one that happened last week with Hurricane Ian. Conversation I had around this made it very clear that the Florida State Legislature, while they were doing very important things like punishing Disney, did not use any of their session to make citizens' insurance solvent. Might I remind you that we are only a month and a few days away from a gubernatorial election, one that would take a miracle for Ron DeSantis to lose. But is this that miracle? Charlie Crist is certainly going to take a shot at it. He, the Democratic challenger for DeSantis, has ramped up his national attention that Ron DeSantis has not had the wherewithal to secure citizens' insurance. Indeed, Chris' campaign encouraged anybody with a nightmare scenario when it came to insurance to contact his campaign with a dedicated online tool. Chris has criticized DeSantis' handling of homeowners' insurance, and his campaign clearly aims to capitalize on the situation that many Floridians face. Quote Chris, Ron DeSantis is the worst property insurance governor in Florida history, and millions of Floridians are going to pay the price in Hurricane Ian's wake. If you have paid thousands in premiums for years and years only to have your coverage disappear when you need it the most, we want to hear your story. This is a bad issue for DeSantis, and it looks like the DeSantis campaign damn well knows it, because they have been very, very proactive about pushing back on Chris claims, specifically one little issue on that online tool that Chris has for you to write your nightmare scenario explicitly asking those affected the most by the hurricane to tell their story. There's also a donation tool. Asking people who just lost everything to give a little more to old Chuck Christ. That was embarrassing enough for the Chris campaign after the DeSantis people made a big deal about it online that they removed the donation box. But still, this would be a problem that would begin to blow up right around election day. And what I think you should all be on the lookout for is that even for the jaded Floridians, if they are unable to get their insurance money, if they are unable to move on with their life and rebuild what was taken away, if they are unable to fulfill their destiny as Floridians, there can't help but be a political cost. I don't think it'll be high enough to materially affect this race. But if we're talking about races that DeSantis might be eyeing after Florida, he better hope 
that this doesn't linger. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this program. A reminder, especially as we are going through election season, if you want to support the show, if you have no money at all, head to the podcast player of your choice, rate and review this show. Five stars, please. And maybe mentioning things like unbiased political analysis. He is the scoreboard where everybody else is the pep rally. Blah, blah, blah. I trust you and your amazing writing skills. If you do have a little scratch in your pocket, and it's somewhere around, you know, 12 to $16, well, then you can ensure from this moment until the end of the midterms, you have unfettered access to every bit of content that comes out on px3 up to and including the two bonus episodes that we put out each and every week for everybody at the three dollar tier sunday episode breaking down all of the sunday 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 programs the thursday episode the late breaking episode that is where we cover the latest news throughout the week if you would like to make sure that you don't miss a thing. And folks, this week should teach you that anything can happen in this, the spooky, silly season of October. Then you got to go right now to takepoliticsseriously.com. Sign up at that $3 level and lock in your PX3 goodness. Thank you, everybody who does it. You are the reason why we are going out to Georgia. And book today, we are going to spend the last weekend of the campaign in a race that I think will determine the Senate, Nevada. Oh, viva Las Vegas. Both these parties are pushing all their chips into the center of the table. And we have a silver state showdown between Catherine Cortez Masto and Adam Laxalt. Can you feel it? I can. Takepoliticsseriously.com. We've got some snap polls. We've got some snap polls. Snap polls here and a snap polls there. Herschel Walker, big old scandal. How do the voters have to say? So, uh, Survey USA poll, September 30th to October 4th. That is covering the back end. Of or sorry, the 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 back end of that is covering the scandal. We've got a huge number here, a massive number. Warnock fifty percent, Walker thirty eight. Cheese with cheese. Look at that. That is a twelve point. Difference. It also crucially puts Warnock over 50%. That would avoid a runoff and shut things down on election night. Meanwhile, insider advantage, 550 likely voters, has it a little closer. This one was taken all in one day, October 4th to October 4th. 
It's got the Libertarian candidate at 3%, Walker at 44, and Warnock at 47. That is a three-point edge. For me, I'm not going to take a lot of polls seriously until next week. A lot of this stuff is very chaotic, very problematic. I I, I feel like we're going to wait and see. Based on some of the reaction that I have seen media-wise, this feels a little more Trumpy. You know, Walker is a very Trump candidate. The fact that he came out that night, answered questions about it that night. His response was, don't lie on Herschel Walker because you got the wrong one. That's, you know, I, I, I can't even remember Trump hitting that as hard. A reminder that Trump, you know, was, was about as contrite as we'd ever seen him after the Access Hollywood tape. So, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know about this. I, I tend to think that if Christian is silent, I, I, I cannot stress to you enough how important the, the Christian part of all this is. That if his own son, if Herschel Walker's own son is out on social media every single day banging the drum about what a monster his father is, that will erode things. Because at that point, Herschel Walker either has to say something about his son. And to this point, the only thing he said is, I will always love my son. Or Christian has to not talk. But we don't know. They obviously cannot control him because if they could control him, he wouldn't have said what he said. Meanwhile, Cook Political Reports, one of the most respected in campaign tracking which previously had Pennsylvania as a lean Democratic, has now moved it back to toss-up. This is in response to Oz stepping up a lot of his uh, television spending game and the fact that through some of the most recent polls, it seems as if Fetterman might have already hit his ceiling in terms of vote share. That's very bad. If you are fading down the stretch, it ain't great. And I gotta say, I'm not loving Fetterman's campaign right now. They're really playing high to John. He only comes out for... Eight, nine minutes doing these speeches that are not exactly setting the world on fire. And I don't blame him because he had a stroke. But still, you're running for Senate in a statewide office. You sound weird. You're going to sound weird on television. Recovery from these things is not a straight line. But also, they're still very surface. With Dr. Oz. They went all in over the last 72 hours on this Oz killed puppies thing, which I guess they're seeing traction. Maybe it's something that, that, that they see good national fundraising on. Dog owners will freak out over the slightest injury over an animal. But it only kind of highlights the fact that Dr. Oz was a real doctor. 
And when you're doing that while you are hosting events like Real Doctors Against Dr. Oz, I don't know. It, there's just something that doesn't feel like it's clicking for me with, with, with the Fetterman campaign. And maybe it's just that it's hard to operate a campaign when your candidate is not in the position that you'd like him to be. But still, it's rough to watch. And I can understand why Cook moved it back to toss up. All right, everybody, we have a great conversation here for you. Two voices that you don't hear on this show much anymore because we now do our other show, We're Not Wrong, is Andrew Heaton and Jen Briney. During the recording of We're Not Wrong this week, we got into a really good conversation about what is and isn't in play when you're running a campaign. What are the rules morally on what should and shouldn't be discussed? So we're going to throw to that right now. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. Here we go. Myself, Jen Briney, Andrew Heaton. What are the do's and don'ts of political campaigning? From Austin, Texas, I'm Justin Robert Young from Washington, D.C., I'm Jennifer Briney. And from Edinburgh, Scotland. I'm Andrew Heaton. And we're not wrong. And not wrong apart from each other uh, uh, is is dwindling these days because we are we are going to be collapsing into the center mm-hmm. of Texas by the mm-hmm. end of this month. But before that, like a neutron star of awesomeness from which nothing <laughs> can escape. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, before that, we're going to talk about what is in and out of bounds in the world of politics. We are going to talk about whether or not the United States trying to push ourselves gently into a soft recession is actually killing people around the world and hear from you guys. But in the meantime, Jen, how is Washington, D.C. treating you? Have you gone to drink at Hill Bars like we advised you to last week? Justin, you're going to love this. I did go to the tune-in. Yeah. And even better, I had a few beers with a new lobbyist friend who told me all kinds of inside D.C. things, and I had the best time. So, yes, excellent recommendation. Um, I also went to the place next door, Andrew, that you told me about, and that place sucked. <laughs> no Taco one would talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun back in the day when they had free tacos and cheap uh, whiskey gingers, and then management changed, so I, I have no skit of the game. Maybe I'll become a tune-in man when I come back. <laughs> yeah, the place that you recommended was more fancy pants. When I walked into the tune in, like people were yelling at each other and it was just, that was a divey place. Yeah. And that was more, more what I was looking for. So yeah, it's, it's a different vibe. My, my most recent drinking experience was two nights ago. I went to pub quiz night at the globe, uh, off the Royal mile thinking I would know people, which was not the case. I only knew the person running it. So it ended up being Andrew Heaton as his own team versus a bunch of university students. And I got second place. And only because if you brought in birthday cards for the pub, they'd give you spare points. I was like, oh God, I wanted to defeat those so bad, but I only got second place. And then at the end, the team that got third place was like, oh, next week do politics because we're poli sci students. And I was like, oh, that could be fun, Pubmaster. Maybe we should do that. Knowing that they'll bring up shit about Dukakis that I'll know. 
college students. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So like the hard questions would be about American politics and you're like, right, cause I'm from, I'm from the planet Krypton. I know all the shit about the planet Krypton. Exactly. Now, I don't know all the shit about like why the Plantagenet dynasty should come back and overturn <laughs> Liz. I don't know that stuff, but I know the stuff about presidents a lot better than them. <laughs> Uh, well, geez, now I feel like I need a fun drinking story. I don't, I don't really have a, a, it's just been normal drinking for me. Just regular work a day, slow <laughs> death of my body drinking. Just 10 AM, uh, <laughs> uh, a slow and steady drinking. That's it. That's it. Just slowly hoping the voices get quieter and quieter until eventually an inky black demise. Let's talk about something more exciting, and that is Herschel Walker possibly paying for an abortion. On Monday, the Daily Beast reported that Senate candidate Herschel Walker paid a woman in 2009 indeed to get said abortion. They proved it with bank receipts and a get well card that included a steaming uh, cup of tea. Walker is, of course, the Republican candidate in the race to unseat Senator Raphael Warnock in Georgia. Warnock is pro-choice. Walker is pro-life. This is the latest in a series of scoops from the Daily Beast on Walker, including that the former Heisman Trophy winner and MMA fighter fathered children he did not list on his official website. One child that he did list on his website is his son, Christian who is himself a gay conservative influencer popular on TikTok and Instagram. How's that for a sentence not written by AI? The morning after the scoop dropped, Christian had the following to say. Play the clip, Will. I stayed silent as the atrocities committed against my mom were downplayed. I stayed silent when it came out that my father, Herschel Walker, had all these random kids across the country, none of whom he raised. And you know my favorite issue to talk about is father absence. Surprise, because it affected me. That's why I talk about it all the time, because it affected me. Family values, people. He has four kids, four different women, wasn't in the house raising one of them. He was out having sex with other women. Do you care about family values? I have a silent lie after lie after lie. The abortion card drops yesterday. It's literally his handwriting in the card. They say they have receipts, whatever. He gets on Twitter. He lies about it. Okay, I'm done. Done. Everything has been a lie. And so for the right to say I'm being suspicious for saying, hey, I'm, I'm done with the lies. When you all have been calling me saying, is this true about your dad? Gosh, we're not going to win Georgia, this candidate. That's been you. You have no idea what I've been through in my life. You have no idea what me and my mom have survived. We could have ended this on day one. We haven't. I haven't told any stories. I'm just saying, don't lie. Don't lie on my mom. Don't lie on me. Don't lie on the lives you've destroyed and act like you're some moral family man. Y'all should care about that, conservatives. And then for people on the left to act as though I'm responsible for all of the things that he has done. I've talked about father, I've, I've talked all these issues because they've been close to me, because they matter to me, because I went through it. That's why I've talked about it. So when you say, well, talk about your dad, I am. I'm saying this behavior is atrocious. Don't come for me. You don't have to like my policy. You don't have to like me. You don't have to. I'm just saying I'm done with the lies. We were told at the beginning of this, he was going to get ahead of his past, hold himself accountable, all of these different things, and that would have been fine. Go ahead. He didn't do any of that. Everything's been a lie. Everything's been downplayed. Everything's been cutting corners. The whole thing. And who, who is, whose expense is that at? Me, my mom, as we're chased down by the media, uh, we're, we're terrorized, all these different things. Uh, uh, people are questioning my authenticity. I'm done. 
Don't lie. Don't put this on me. You, this is a candidate issue, not a me issue. I wouldn't have spoken out if there weren't all these lies every day. And just two more things I have to address and then I'm done with this buffoonery nut job land. This is atrocious. People on the right are pulling up that I did a campaign event with my dad last year. They're saying, well, you supported them all last year and all this year. You look suspicious. No, no, no. You all have been calling me saying, why aren't you on the campaign trail with your dad? Why aren't you helping him out? This looks weird. You should go help him. And I've said to you calmly, I'm not getting involved. You don't know my family life. I did one event last year when we were told he was going to get ahead of his past and hold himself accountable. None of that happened. Everything's been a lie. So for me to tell you I'm not getting involved and then you also be flooding my DMs and calling me saying, I didn't know all this about your dad. We're going to lose the Senate race. And then when I simply say I'm done with the lies, you go, well, Christian looks suspicious. Excuse me? I haven't told one story about what I experienced with him. I'm just simply saying, don't lie. And then for, for certain political pundits to be pulling up old pictures I posted of my dad, thinking they can police and, and determine what my relationship with my dad was. If you want to pull stuff up, I'll pull stuff up. Don't try me. Don't test my authenticity. All of this has been a lie and you've known it. You've known. So don't you dare. And then to the left who says, well, he did all this to your mom and you were still with him. And you know, that's weird. You know nothing about my life. My parents went through a dirty divorce. I went through a lot as a child and, and you don't know anything. You don't know the ebbs and flows of our relationship. Nobody knows anything. So for everyone making these wild theories and whatever, that, that, that's crazy. This is about a bunch of lies. Again, I could, if I had an issue with whatever, I could have ended this day. Well, that's not my intention. My intention is don't lie about your life at the expense of me, my mom, and all of the people that you've affected throughout your life. You don't get to pretend you're some moral family guy. You don't get to pretend all these things. Talk policy, talk normal. Do not lie. Christian is referencing domestic violence charges that were made by his mother against Walker at the end of their marriage. Also, by the way, his opponent, Raphael Warnock, is accused by his ex-wife of running over her foot with his car during an ugly divorce in 2020. I bring all this up and we have more. If you want more current scandals, I can I can continue going because uh, there's also a charge that has surfaced that Dr. Oz might have overseen uh, the undue harming of puppies during his time at Columbia University. But what I wanted to ask you guys is more of a general question. What is, in your opinion, on and off limits in a political campaign? We'll start with Jen. It doesn't seem like there are any, does it? I mean, you can say anything you want. There's no rules to this. Um, maybe I'm not the best person to go to for this because I just, I think one of the reasons I don't pay attention to campaigns is because they're so gross. So yeah, I don't know. So, all right. So, so if you were the the arbiter of all politics, and and whether or not this is a law, this is just you are the tastemaker that that everybody hews their behavior to. What would you say is something that would that would make you more interested because it would be less gross? What would be the line? I mean, I'm looking, f I'm looking for policy. So, when we were talking about like Herschel Walker and the attacks on him right now, especially with this most recent one that he paid for someone to have an abortion. I mean, this is a person whose policy is there should be no exceptions 
to abortion bans. If he were to go into the Senate, he's already said he would vote for Lindsey Graham's um, quite restrictive 15 week bill. Yeah. The 15 week bill, which is more extreme than the Republicans in the um, Congress were proposing before the end of Roe v. Wade, including Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham had put forth the same bill with 22 weeks. So he decided to tighten it up apparently after Dobbs. Yeah, they're getting more extreme and Herschel Walker would be perfectly fine with that. In fact, he's more extreme than they are. So when it comes to pointing out the hypocrisy in that particular policy, I think that's fair game. Um, there's other stuff about, you know, if it it doesn't affect personal lives or if it's about personal lives and it doesn't affect policy, like I don't know that it matters. But in Herschel Walker's case, again, we're talking about someone who clearly has some anger issues He was an NFL player for 12 years. There could be CTE issues. He also seems pretty dumb in general. I wrote down a quote here that was just, it was so stupid that it actually made me drop my pencil and just stop researching this. Do you guys want to hear it? Yeah. Uh, Yes. (laughs) It was so stupid. Okay. So he was asked, and I'll see if I can find the actual clip that we can drop in, but he was asked why we shouldn't basically like try to reduce pollution. And he said, quote, we in America, have some of the cleanest air and cleanest water of anybody in the world. So what we do is we're going to put from the Green New Deal millions or billions of dollars cleaning our good air up. So all of a sudden China and India ain't putting nothing in their cleaning that situation up. So all their bad air is still there. But since we don't control the air, our good air decided to float over to China, bad air. So when China gets our good air, their bad air got to move. So it moves over to our good air space. And now we got to clean that bike up. <laughs> so, I mean, this is not someone I want in charge of environmental policy. So even though that quote is funny because it's really dumb, This is stuff stuff that's going to affect us, especially on a national scale, because this is not someone who's running for Georgia State Senate. He's running for the Senate. So what Georgia does does matter to the rest of us. So in that regard, a lot of the stuff that they're talking about when it comes to Herschel Walker, even the domestic violence, and it does matter because it shows that this is a person that has anger issues. And we just I don't trust his judgment in any way based on what I now know about him. And so that's when I look at like, you know, the lines of attack on him. I'm not really bothered by it. But then I think of, um, you guys all know her name. It's been eluding me for a week. Who was the chick in Los Angeles who had the thruple? Katie Hill. Thank you. I don't think her thruple has a goddamn thing to do with her ability to lead in the house of representatives and make good judgments when it comes to laws. Like if she wants to be in a couple with three people instead of two, like, okay, like that's your personal relationship. So that's kind of the line for me. Does the information that is coming out, tell me anything about your judgment as a policymaker and as a person. And if it doesn't, that's where I would draw the line. Let me, let me, let me push back very slightly on the Katie Hill thing. The issue with Katie Hill was not necessarily that she was in a thruple, but she was in a thruple with a campaign staffer and she would probably have survived that if there weren't also, uh, rumors that I guess were, were substantial enough for her to leave her post that she was also in another relationship with another staffer, which especially since me too, when there was a lot of tightening on those kinds of relationships had fallen on the other side of those 
policies. So there, there was at least a, an, an element of, uh, like work real world workplace issues that were at, at play with the Katie Hill situation. Although okay, it was, that's it fair. was, yeah. Although I think it, it is also fair to say that it was gross revenge porn by her, uh, uh, you know, a beta male, uh, ex-husband who was also in the thruple at the time and leaked all that stuff to the daily mail. And I do think there is be a difference if it's a campaign staffer that was with her before she had her position of power, because like I think about myself, if I was ever to run for Congress, my campaign people would be my friends. I'd, I'd definitely be sleeping with my campaign people if I were running for Congress. I mean, like I think getting Absolutely. that thruple would probably be the main reason I'd run. But once I was there, <laughs> I'd quit anybody except my wife or husband. I'd make my decision at that point. See, I feel like if the began during the campaign, it's fair game. But if the campaign staffer was hired after I am their, you know, the master in the House of Representatives, then it's not fair. It matters when it begins. Standard Senator Bird rules. <laughs> All right, here, we're, 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 we're going to get into, in, in, into a digression because I feel like there was a thing that I wanted to bring up and I didn't because uh, there was a news peg of the Boston Celtics coach just got uh, uh, suspended for a year because he was in a relationship with somebody who was uh, lower than him on the org chart in the Boston Celtics. Now, apparently there's a lot more to this story than just that. But initially I wanted to bring up with you guys, maybe in the Patreon side, the idea of like, where is the state of fishing from the company pier? Because I think a lot of overachievers (laughs) have spent their entire life thinking about how to do better in life and appease the wishes of either themselves or their parents. And then when it came to their love life, just kind of looked around and was like, oh, that person, I I, I very much value them. I would like to have sex with them. Uh, uh, but that Ooh. seems to be not a thing unless you are exactly on the same level of 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 parody, which I kind of feel like strips agency out. I, th- I think that is a great Patreon topic, but it is further afield from where we are enough that I suggest we put a pen in it for now. Sure. Okay. 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 Fine. Heaton, go ahead. Uh, I agree with uh, Jen so far. I'll, I'll, I'll add a little bit of org chart to this. I think you can make three categories of things that really ought not surface in a campaign. Stupid, irrelevant bullshit inappropriate bullshit and truly inappropriate bullshit. Uh, Now, the truly inappropriate bullshit of which we still have norms in this country, both in the media and in politics, is you leave people's kids alone. That is not okay. It's never okay to do that. Um, uh, Journalists regularly get in trouble. I shouldn't say regularly because it doesn't happen very often. Every two or three years, a journalist, usually who is new, will, will take a pot shot at somebody's kid and rightly everybody comes after him. Kids don't have agency in this. They're kids for sake, leave them alone. Um, so if, if your kid has, if your kid's 15 and is having um, uh, pro- problems in school or they've got a disability or or whatever the thing is that makes them stand out, give them some, some leeway. And I, I would personally extend that. Like with Baron Trump, they left Baron alone. Like with Baron Trump's a great example. I, I think like the, somebody from the Daily Show tweeted out, Baron Trump looks like the only the only uh, homeschool kid to become a mass shooter. That was their their line. I'll acknowledge yeah. it's a funny it was, it was joke S- it, it in was an SNL, abstract but sense, yeah. but it, it's but it's it's not that kid's fault, and that kid's going to have a hard time. I feel the same way about uh, Obama's kids. Like like, leave them alone. And I'd say even now, now that they're over eighteen and technically fair game, unless they're getting into politics, I would I would respect their privacy and leave them. The- 
out of it. But definitely anybody that's underage is, is, is it's never appropriate. It's never, there's no, never any reason for it. And, uh, and, and everybody should rightly circle the wagons on that one. Um, stupid, irrelevant bullshit, which seems to be a lot of what we now do, um, is like, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't know if any members of Congress or aspiring members of Congress have staked out their really hardcore position on whether Ariel can be black or not. I could not give less of a on that. And I don't think that it has any effect on your ability to make policy, which is also what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that is going to implement policies that I like and also appears to have the capacity to do so, right? I'm looking for somebody that can not only uh, not only propose policies, vote for policies along the same way I would, but also is is apt to get some stuff done. I don't just want a gas bag up there. But those are really two the, the, the two metrics that I tend to be predominantly concerned with. Then there's this, this other realm of inappropriate bullshit, not wildly inappropriate bullshit, but inappropriate bullshit where there's a little bit of gray area to it. Um, I would say in general, I'm very dismissive of uh, foibles in people's personal lives um, because I am not electing a chaplain or mascot or dad or mom. I'm electing a public servant to get shit done. So I don't really care if they are in a thruple or anything like that. I I don't, do they do psychedelics? I, I don't give um, I think where, where I would creep back a little bit and I, I, it, it does start to influence me is yes, if they're, if they're staking out a position and they're being hypocrites about that, that becomes a thing to me. Right. Um, if, if, um, you, you would know this one, just was it Gary Hart that got in a ton of trouble because he was sleeping with, uh, women that weren't his wife back in the day. Yes. Uh, uh, the monkey shines controversy. He was, uh, mm. uh one of the big, uh, uh, the big, uh, Democratic candidates, I forget which year, but he wound up, actually, this is a South Florida thing, uh, getting on a boat with a woman. I think it was 90, it was either 88 or 92 because he was running against Clinton, wasn't he, in the primaries? I guess, yeah, yeah, it was 92. And so we got on a boat called Monkey Shines with women that were not his wife. And and basically, like, that was like the the proof that the press needed that he was catting around. Yeah, so so like in a situation... I can almost make tears here. If if you are running on a family values position, and that is a big part of you as you family values, family values. And this goes, by the way, for several prominent pundits that I've in the, uh, in the past met. Uh, and it turns out that you're screwing around on your wife and you're having affairs and things. Um, you're a hypocrite about something that you've already made a big public issue. And so I think that that's now relevant and fair game. Um, when it comes to people that aren't doing that, like say Gary Hart or Gavin Newsom, um, neither of whom I, I think have ever really like led the charge of vote for me. I'm a good family man. Um, I don't know that it disqualifies them with me, but I, I don't trust them. Like I think if, if you're, if your spouse can't trust you, I don't trust you either. It doesn't mean that, uh, that I would never vote for you under any circumstance, but, um, it's kind of like a minus five points, uh, for me in a situation like that. Uh, but, but for the most part though, I'd say policy and hypocrisy are the two things that I'm concerned with. I'm not really concerned with what people do in their personal life, as long as everybody's on board. Since we both, uh, or you, you guys both use the word hypocrisy. Let me ask you this. What is the line between hypocrisy and growth? And let's use Herschel Walker as an example. If indeed this happened in 2009, it is 2022 now in which he is running for office and saying that he has these pro-life views and he's going to vote for the Lindsey Graham bill. There is a fairly significant period of time between those. Uh, How long does that sin last? Jen. Growth for me has to have honesty with it. So if he came out 
and was talking about his abortion positions and said, listen, in 2009, I got myself in a situation. The woman didn't want to have the baby. I paid for it, but I've come to see things a different way. Then this would be a different conversation because he would be coming forward and saying, listen, I have changed my position on this. That's not really what's happening here. He's saying that abortion is always bad and it's, and then he's like lying about it apparently. I mean, we don't know actually what happened, so I can't say for sure he's lying, but like, I'm assuming he's lying because his own son says he's a pathological liar. So, um, I'm assuming that he's lying about it and that's where the hypocrisy comes in for me. You're allowed to grow, but you have to admit what you did before and usually be proactive about it in order for me to think that you've just changed where you are. Like you have to say that. I'll dovetail with that. I think there's a difference between revising your position versus taking actions counterposed to your position. It's one thing to say, um, uh, I don't I, like, yes, I took corn subsidies in the nineties. I no longer take corn subsidies. I'm against corn sub subsidies. This is only in Andrew Heaton's universe. Would this ever make a press conference? I was going to say, um, yeah, th this is by the way, <laughs> the most saucy scandal that Heaton can yes. think of on short notice. That, that, that dude that kept getting into thruples took corn subsidies. Well, now I'm alarmed. Um, there's, there's, or, or I don't know, like, 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 we'll talk about monetary policy later in the episode. Like, like I, like my positions on monetary policy might change in the future as is it become more educated. Right. Um, but there's a difference between I have revised my opinion in light of introspection and new knowledge. That's different than maintaining a position and then doing things that are opposed to it. That's hypocrisy. It's, it's hypocritical. If, if I said like, um, I believe it's, uh, gosh, it's, I, I, I believe that everybody should be selfless and, and, um, and, and donate money, uh, and, and not be greedy. And then you looked through my tax return and it looked like I was deducting every goddamn penny and I didn't donate any money to charity. You could be like, well, that guy's kind of a hypocrite, right? It would be different if, if I said, um, uh, I, I think my taxes are my contribution to society. I don't, by the way, I think you should also donate money to charity, but, but I'm establishing there's a difference between what you're claiming the thing is everybody ought to do and whether or not you're, you're doing it, or I should say openly flouting it, which is really when we get into hypocrisy. And if, if somebody's going to make a big stand about family values and that's their big deal. Uh, and then it turns out they are repeatedly, um, uh, flouting that. Then I, I think it's different. Uh, Jen, let me ask you something that Heaton said before about kids. Uh, obviously there is a line that people have about not targeting people's kids. However, this is kind of changing in a world of social media. We saw that with Kellyanne Conway's daughter that was that was on TikTok and and you know making a, a name for herself as a minor. And you had a lot of people reaching out and covering her like uh, she was a massive story when indeed that was a child of two very influential political figures that was exposing a lot of family drama. Christian Walker is twenty three, so he's not uh, exactly you know uh, underage, but he's not. Well, and he's he's an influencer too, so he's seeking media attention and that I do think that makes him fair game if he wants to put his hat in the ring well sure yeah but but also it's like like so like, does this get complicated in the world of social media where influencers are often 13 14 15 16 I don't think it's complicated because if the if someone even at like I think once you're in high school you're able to make your decision about whether or not you want to be an internet person or not and if you're actively like, it's one thing if a, a child is, you know, um, talking about K-pop on their TikTok, 
But it's a different thing if the child of a politician is talking about politics. So that's where like Christian Walker becoming a, a feature of this campaign. This is why I think it's fair game with him because he is a political commenter. And therefore, like, I yes. do think that he's asking for it. But then you look at like the Trump children, right? Like, I don't, I don't think that that's, that's controversial. You know, he is, he is out there talking no. about Ron DeSantis and Georgia Maloney. So like the fact that he now weighed in on another, uh, Senate candidate, although this time it's his father and he has harsher things to say, I think is very much fair game. Which I think makes his opinion that much more relevant. But then you look at like the the Trump kids and like we said, we're all in support of them leaving Barrett alone because Barron wanted nothing to do with this. He's not on TikTok. He's not on Instagram. Like He's just minding his own, own business and he didn't choose his parents. Uh, mm-hmm. Tiffany is kind of the same thing. We don't really talk about Tiffany because she stayed out of it. And you never hear about her. She went to law school and often you never hear anything. Smart girl. She's not being indicted, is she? She has a single, by the way. Somebody sent me her single once. I think I was at the RNC. Really? Yeah. Oh, Tiff. It's not, it's not, a, it's not, it's not fantastic. We're, we're, we're conversing like Megan McCain's an example of somebody that plunged into that political world mm-hmm. that became her. She wanted to build a career on that. Well, now she's, she's fair game for that. But Justin, to answer your question though, I, I would be very, very, while I acknowledge there's some gray area, like I'm, I'm going to side pretty hard on just not messing with the kids. So if it's like a 17 year old or something, I, I would, I, I think we've kind of lost the ability of, of, uh, as a culture to just ignore stuff. Like we act as though we have to comment on things all the time and and particularly pundits and journalists have to jump on whatever the trend is over the moment you don't have to do that uh if, if a 17 year old is making is saying dumb shit and it's i don't know um, president biden's grandson or something like that i would just ignore it tell they're they're you know an adult and then if they want to be political at that point then i'll engage it if i need to I think the other problem that we have in this conversation is that there's no lead dog when it comes to media anymore. There used to be an element of, okay, there's a hierarchy. There's your community paper. There's the paper that is getting the biggest circulation statewide. There's the local TV. And then eventually you go all the way up. And then at the top of the food chain is the New York Times, the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal. And on the television side, it was your evening news. And then eventually supplanted by 24 hour news. Now there is no restrictor plate. There's nobody that says, I don't want to cover this. Everybody's got to cover everything because the media landscape has flattened out. And that means that if somebody wants to make fun of an awkward clip of some senator's kid playing League of Legends on Twitch, they're going to do it. And if that senator has a odious enough position to the people that want to harangue him, they're going to do it. And it happens all the time. I will die on this side of the river with Odin. <laughs> like, I, fine, they can they can do that. I'm not going to do that. We, we don't have to. There, there are going to be dipshits that do that. Like, wh- one of the things that I think is disturbing about this, this phenomenon, which is emblematic of a deeper phenomenon going on in our, our country right now, is there are people that are so consumed with hate for whatever the other team is. And they always think in terms of two teams. It's always two teams. They always think yes. that the, the other team is... Um, truly villainous, willfully evil, a direct existential threat, and they relish any emotional damage they can inflict on anybody associated with it. That in their minds is a 
uh, a laudable outcome. If I can hurt someone close to someone I don't like, yay. And that's, it's despicable. That's not, uh, that's not how we should be doing things. And, and uh, so uh, if, if there are people that are going to be engaging in that kind of awful behavior because uh, Senator Grassley's love child has said a racial epithet on Twitch, whatever the, whatever the thing is, um, then th- that's going to happen. better one than mine. It, it, it requires this hypothetical, everybody. It, re, it requires, yeah. I think, restraint on behalf of people that do have some sense of, of norms, standards and decency. And fortunately, there are still quite a lot of that in our country. I, a lot of the time on this program and me in particular, we focus on, um, you know, uh, government policies and things that can be ratified by law as opposed to cultural norms. But there are still a lot of things there. They still have weight. That would be pretty wicked if. Grassley was still shooting loaded rounds enough that he had a kid, a love child that was on Twitch right now. Like that would, that would be, that'd be pretty impressive. Uh, you know what he, a lot of senators when they die, suddenly have a bunch of love children pop out of the woodwork. Uh, so we, he might surprise us yet. <laughs> There's definitely more of a call for chicken fingers at the catering at the wake. You know, all of a sudden they all show up out of the woodwork. Oh my God. <laughs> Too dark. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I think that the, the last thing I would say on this is that we are very much moving into, uh, you know, the, the spooky season, both in terms of Halloween and in terms of loud sociopathic uh, uh, declarations of how little they uh, people care about anything other than their team winning in whatever this election is about to happen. Uh, we just yeah. saw a clip today before we started recording of Dana Loesch, formerly of the NRA, saying that she doesn't care if Herschel Walker aborted, and I quote, endangered baby eagles. Uh, she wants the Senate. Uh, and so everybody should continue to support Herschel Walker, similar to, I think, Sam Harris, the famous podcaster, saying a few weeks ago that he didn't care if uh, Hunter Biden had corpses in his basement. Uh, the the point mm-hmm. was that they needed to defeat Trump. Uh, and so that's why yeah. he didn't care about the Hunter Biden laptop story. And also every, everybody that um, which is most of the people listening to our show, I would think, that doesn't fall into that us versus them sociopathy. Uh, get ready for um, some bracing emotional states from our friends that tend to engage in that. Like I, I've noticed that um, my my political position might actually be closer to some of my friends over time. But but uh, how radical and crazy I am is dictated almost entirely by how scared they feel. Like it has very little to do with what I think and what I do. It's just how scared are they? And the more frightened they get, the more everybody that's not exactly what they are becomes a terrifying presence. And it's not a lot of fun for those of us that are independents and misfits when it comes to political seasons. I'm very good at using my mute button on Twitter. Just like I'm yeah. not dealing with the October crazies. I'm not having it. And in the my personal life, the people that are reactionary and tribal, I kind of disengage from them, too. I think it's the only yeah. way to do it like at this yeah yeah, at this point like the people that are tribal are just not engaged in political conversations they're not trying to talk about policy they're not trying to come to agreements it's team sports and if you're not on a team it's it's kind of like you Andrew like I can talk to Justin about you know the Patriots and the Raiders and like we can go off for hours but you don't have a team Mm -hmm. so you're like shut I don't want to hear it. And that's kind of how I feel with tribal politics. And a lot of times in October, I tune it all out. I don't pay any attention because I know who I'm voting for. I don't need to hear all the, you know, the, the nonsense really like the, the campaign ads. Um, 
it's a lot of noise and very little substance. And I don't think it helps us know how to vote. Agreed. Uh, if, if we were at a restaurant, a restaurant that on this stage of the, uh, the month were serving howling political dissension and you both said none for me, thanks. I would tell the waitress I'll take their portions. I, I want all three. I want all three of them in front of me and I'm going to lap all of it up. When everybody just totally abandons everything that they have said that they are like for minuscule things that they'll forget about within seconds after election day. Nobody's mm -hmm. going to remember any of these things that they are going to loudly toss all of their 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 moral beliefs over the side of the boat for. Oh, it's my favorite. It is. It is just the best. You truly seem to love it. I do. Yeah. Like I'm both simultaneously excited and terrified to be on the road with you in 2024. <laughs> to like see this. I think I'm going to lose my mind, but just watching you be giddy about it. I'm excited for that. It's Look great. The smile it's on this great. guy's face. I wish you guys could see this. He is just grinning from <laughs> yeah. ear to ear at the prospect. I'm so pumped. <laughs> I would, I would like to be about 15% more Justin when it comes to this kind of thing. I feel like I've been kind of hobbled by this weird innate desire to be elected mayor of everywhere I am. Uh, like I've got this, this horrible hostage negotiator personality of always trying to mitigate damage. Uh, and in reality, some people are just assholes and like, like I, I shouldn't be cultivating them in my life. Uh, I'll say right now I'm, I'm dating a lady. I don't know what her politics are. We've been dating three months and it hadn't really come up yet. And it's, awesome. How? What do you talk about? She's British. So she's just yeah. not that interested in American politics. And, uh, mm. um, and like, I don't know, we like we talking about travel and we are watching, like, we're watching house of dragons and so we're just, it's just lots of other stuff. She doesn't have like a hot take on Liz trust. I'm sure she probably has an opinion, but it just, I don't know. It just, it, it, it I, I prefer it. It's, it's actually nicer for me. And I also feel like that allows me to be a little bit more, um, opinionated out in the public sphere. Yeah. I'm married to a normie too. Like my husband cares about football and there's just, there's a lot of monkeys banging cymbals up there in his head. And it's really good for me because <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm just coming home to a sane, just like nice person. And so I get this out of my system and then I have to turn it off because he's not interested in it. And it's, it's nice. I, I will, I will say that as much as I enjoy being around the psycho circus that is politics, if my wife were super engaged and super pitched up in the way that, that other people are, it would affect the relationship. <laughs> like it would, it would be bad. It would be bad for things going forward. There is an element where I do need to, at some point, turn it off. Even if, even if I enjoy yeah. my work, I do like coming home. So uh, that is, that is true. I, I also don't want like I, I'm I'm more political in my head right now in my inner monologue than I want to be anyway. I don't want to mm -hmm. be walking down the street thinking about Marxism or whatever. Like I would <laughs> rather be thinking about comedy and sci-fi shit. So I, I actually have to try to break that feedback loop in my mind where I'll be like, oh no, I'm thinking about this thing again. All right, all right, all right. Let's uh, let's see which which king in Game of Thrones, and I'll try and distract myself. You know, that, that's the other thing is that both of you guys are very, very policy minded and you put your money where your mouth is, especially in the work that you guys do and, and explaining these things to other people who come to you as experts on it. However, 
the people that are going to elect either Raphael Warnock or Herschel Walker, and this is not a commentary on Georgia, this is a blanket commentary, Mm. care about as much about that as is on their website. If people really voted on policy, they would get out and talk about policy all the time. But instead, you know, John Fetterman is going to tweet Oz kills puppies, which is what mm-hmm. is happening, you know, uh, today, yesterday and the day before, because it is a value judgment. At the end of the day, you are going to win an election by making yourself the better person than the guy on the other side, either through uh, a policy or whether or not people like you more. And, and that's that's a reality. Well, and that's why I do appreciate having you this <laughs> this much of a presence in my life, Justin, um, because I do know that in order for me to have the, you know, the good government that I'm looking for, we have to elect good people to make it happen. And politics is how that happens. I know I need mm-hmm. to care more and to pay more attention. And and so you're forcing me to do that. (laughs) And so, I mean, it's going to be very educational for me to see how this all works through your eyes. Um, but I also, as a voter, one of the things that's frustrating to me is that I feel like if I wasn't the host of congressional dish, if I wasn't reading all these bills and laws, I wouldn't know where to find the policy answers myself. I mean, I was just, um, recording an episode about the continuing resolution, which there's been so much bullshit about that, that new law, um, that's been going out there cause it's being called a hurricane relief bill, which it absolutely is not. <laughs> and there's just been so much spin on this thing, but to use that law as something to vote on, they cram so much into it that it's not really useful. So how is the average voter supposed to know which laws can actually be judged by good or bad, not just because one thing was stuck in it, but there's so much nuance. So it's to vote based on policy. It's very, very hard to the point that I don't even know where to tell people to turn. And I think that's something that we need to do better as a society is to make it possible to vote on policy, because right now all we have is the bullshit that you're very accurately saying is what people are voting on. If that's all the information that's easily accessible to you, that's what you're going to use. But if there is a very clear bill, this is how someone voted, it's like, if that information is easier to find, I do think people do care about that, but I don't even know where to look. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, uh and I will say uh, vice versa, by the way, Jen, you're, you're doing this show and, and being a listener to congressional dish has actually made me care about what these weird lizards do after they win or lose their races. Like I, I, now I actually, I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember him. He ran for this race. Normally they go, they win and, or they lose. And I'm like, okay, new lizards, bring in more lizards. I'm only two years away from more lizard fights. Well, it does help to know like, okay, like this person voted on this and you will have in your brain, well, on their campaign, they said da da da. So it's like paying attention to both sides is useful. Um, It is for sure. But I just, I don't get the giddiness that you do. For for garden variety humans, for garden variety voters listening to the program, if you have an opportunity to meet your, your elected leaders, definitely ask them about policy uh, because it it either, it startles them. Like I just interviewed uh, the, the mayor of Oklahoma city. I'm, I'm planning to do a full week, like a, another thematic week about how municipal government works. And I interviewed David Holt, mayor of Oklahoma city, who's a 
great guy, by the way. If the Republican Party were a spectrum of David Holt to Herschel Walker's apparently gay black conservative son, I'd, it'd be great. I'd be very happy with that. Uh, <laughs> but like I, he early on, we're having a good chat. And then I was like, all right, so like uh, the, the fire department, is it is it private? Is it public? How's it like it at one point he's like, oh, wow, like we're getting into like policy stuff. And I was like, yeah, and he could, he could do it. It was just clear. He never had to do it, that it never, ever came yeah. up when anybody interviewed him about stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. why I don't do candidate interviews because I'd probably just ask him about the dumb stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Let <laughs> me like, what's your favorite TV show, man? I, I, I get a lot, I got to get a lot of emails from PR people going, you should talk to this candidate that we have. And it's always uh-huh. like, just here's some interesting bio facts. They're amazing. And they love America. And and it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do your, your campaign for you. This is, this is not pertinent to the show. Well, and if any of us open the door to even one candidate, then they all think that like, that's what your show becomes is just interviewing candidates. And then you kind of own their policies because you gave them a platform. I just, I feel that I don't want any (laughs) part of that, which kind of sucks, right? Like if there's a good candidate, I kind of want to help them, but I don't have the time or resources to make sure that this person is what they say they are, you know, like they'll, they'll approach each one of us tailored to what they think our audience was, would like in a campaign season. So I think there's also just such a, a norm in campaigning that you can lie that I don't even feel comfortable taking anyone at their word until I can see their voting record. It's, it's a very cynical place to be, but I don't, I don't allow it. I've, I've just I've determined that whenever I talk to a politician, I'm going to like them. Like this is like, they're, they're going to have a Jedi mind trick of ego waka sunga. And then like, I'll, I'll like end up leaving going, you know, they're a great guy. I don't disagree in this. So I just accept that, that, that all politicians are very, 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 very good at getting you to like them. And that's going to happen. Yes. And I'm going to focus on the policy side of it and be able to go, huh, interesting. Uh, I, I don't mind interviewing uh, candidates on the show. I've done it before. I brought on all the third party candidates and 2020 to talk to them. I would have invited Donald Trump and, and Joe Biden on had they had they felt inclined <laughs> to accept the invitation. Uh, and I, I'll bring on occasional candidates, but but I, I always do it because I'm using them as a touchstone for a thing I want to talk about. There's a concept, there's a law, there's a policy, and that's what I want to talk to them about. I don't really want to talk to them about their candidacy, uh, but I, I don't have a I don't have a hard and fast rule about that. What I would really like to do is talk to candidates about campaigns that are old. Because I feel like candidates would be open about that. And the stuff that I really care about are the X's and O's of, okay, well, this happened. What how, what were you thinking at the time? What were what was the advice you were getting? What, were, what did your donors say? What did your family say? Uh, why did you make this decision? And they're never going to say that in the moment, right? If you go to, you know, Herschel Walker now and you're like, hey, but boy, was it hard lying about that abortion? He's, he's going to be like, well... Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, I, I, when I was running for the Georgia Bulldogs, I knew that I just had to keep my head down and get to the end zone. And, you know, maybe later on he'd be like, like, oh, yeah, I, we knew it was possibly coming. I didn't think that uh, the lady would ever go on the record. And and she did. And it was hard. And I had a hard conversation with my family. And like, that's all the stuff that I kind of really want to talk about. But they, they're never. Yeah, gonna do those would be moment. fascinating interviews. But you'd have to make sure that person is out of politics entirely to get that level of honesty. I know. And it sucks. It sucks. Cause like everybody has like, nobody actually wants to be honest about this stuff. And I really feel like to get to the actual nexus of where we're all at between the bills, the philosophy and the mechanism, you have to be honest about all these things. And you do a great job on congressional dish of 
like they have to publish the bills at some point. They have to publish the laws at some point. You can read through them and read what's actually in them. There's no real autopsies about campaigns like campaign managers mm-hmm. and operatives will come out after uh, the, the campaigns are over and they'll knife the people on the campaign that they hated and uh, talk about all the cool things that they did to to make it succeed. But there's no like official state of the record of like, uh, this is what we did and and this is how we did it. Yeah. And the problem with politicians nowadays is that they're retiring on their deathbeds. So it's really hard to get them in that <laughs> yeah. gap between retirement and death since there isn't one. Uh, man, I'm going to do the best. This is going to be the most lit podcast of the afterlife. I got to figure out which (laughs) afterlife has the most politicians so I can do the best podcast ever. You're asking whether there's more politicians in heaven or hell. Is that the, I'll, I'll leave that to the listeners. And that'll wrap it up for us to Day. Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show is edited by Brett Stewart. You can say uh, hello to me if you go to my Twitter at px3tweets. My personal Twitter is at Justin R. Young. You can send me an email, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. See me live on the internet at px3live.com. Share this with your friends, family, and clergy, px3podcast.com. If you would like to give me a one-time donation, you can do so. PayPal.me slash payjury. Venmo is justin-young-20. My cash app is px3cash, and you can send me a check. P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. That also goes for anything you want to send me in the mail. I got more hats. I'm getting more hats every day. It's ridiculous. P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, if you want our bonus content, the only place to get it is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus episodes per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcast schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Andres, Matt, MC Dradio, Unsafe DB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Ye Old Pinball Shop, DV Vorbongo, Catherine, Todd, persons familiar with the matter, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris, Arslandian, Blue Front, and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic, Terran, Diana, Turn, Two, Miranda, Janelle, Adam, Chief, Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, is awesome, Brad, Richard, D. Laser, Just Another Pilot, Middle-Aged Mike, Who Loves, Frank, Got Abducted, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, The Gen, A, L, D, L, D, L, D, really? Chopper. Andrew, Joshua, those are the names. You want to join them? Want to be on their team? Well, only one place to go. TakePoliticsSeriously.com Oh boy, is it gorgeous outside here in Austin, Texas. I am sure it is pretty outside where you are. I hope you go out and spend maybe the last uh, of, of, of the weekends where there's any kind of heat. You can you can wear those shorts for the last time before you put them up for the winter. Next week on the show, good Lord, who knows what the political gods will bring us, but we will be standing on the beach with our arms outstretched, waiting to accept their providence. 
Till then, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics, but this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh, three. you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.